Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and today I'm joined by Marketing Harry. And today we talk all about Instagram, growth strategy on Instagram, and what brands can actually do when they want to grow online. He gives some really good insight into how to grow on Instagram, what he sees happening on the platform, and he gives us some really, really good tips that I think you will appreciate because I know I have been recently. So before I ramble on too long, let's just dive right into it. Harry, do you want to kind of give an overview of who you are and how people can find you and kind of what you do? Absolutely. I'm a social media marketing enthusiast, someone who has been in the industry for over a decade now. And my approach is really based on two fundamental lessons. I do believe that it's really important for people to understand the algorithmic side of marketing because Currently, technology runs everything, including social media platforms. So my approach combines the technological with the psychological side of things, because at the end of the day, we're not marketing to machines, we're marketing to people. So if we want to reap the most amount of benefits of our marketing efforts and strategies, we need to make sure that we combine the algorithmic side of things with the psychological side of things. So I am an enthusiast when it comes down to psychology, and I am someone who has a computer science degree and that enables me to combine these two elements in order to create marketing campaigns which succeed for person brand owners in specific because that's what I enjoy doing the most. I love that. Um, I'm sure you have a lot to say about the new reel from Adam from the head of Instagram. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about that because we were talking about that last week. So I had the connections with the meta team for quite some time and I've been able to talk to them uh, People who spend above a, a certain threshold when it comes down to uh, Meta's ads manager, they get an ads manager to help them. So I have had the opportunity to talk to them. I've also had the opportunity to talk to Meta employees. So a lot of the things that they have mentioned, I've already experienced. Mm-hmm. And throughout my career, I've also been able to notice these correlations and confirm them with a lot of data. So I've shared with quite a few of them. I'm not really surprised. I'm really happy that they're talking and they're bringing in transparency into the mix. I'm really happy with what Adam is doing as well. He's showing up, he's putting his name, his face, and his reputation on the stake as well. I do believe that Instagram has gone a long way since where it used to be a few years ago. I do believe that they're evolving and updating as each platform needs to be. And at this current moment, even though reach and engagement is down for a lot of people, I do believe Instagram is in a much, much better place than it used to be a few months or even a few years ago. So overall, I'm I'm really bearish. I'm really bullish. Apologies when it comes down (laughs) to what's happening recently. And I'm really excited to see where the future ends up as well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a lot of people were so confused about like what he was talking about that there's not just one algorithm. There's multiple algorithms. Obviously, there's the feed, there's the story, there's the reels, there's the explore page. And when we're talking about all these different algorithms, is there a certain way that you think people should approach Instagram if they want that growth? Because like you said, a lot of people feel like they're not growing at all on the platform and that Instagram is quote unquote dead. So for me, when it comes down to growth and when it comes down to understanding the algorithms in the first place, we first need to demystify them. If you don't understand how the algorithms work, if you don't understand the simple mathematics that's behind them, it's going to be really difficult for you to gain clarity on what your social media strategy should be in the first place as well. But in the end of the day, what you need to understand is that there's only three things that the algorithm really cares about. First and foremost, the algorithm wants more people to come to the platform. 
Secondly, the algorithm wants to retain existing users on the platform. And then thirdly, the algorithm wants to monetize both types of users. And the way that the algorithm monetizes users is by making them stay on the platform for longer. So as long as you help the algorithm do one of these three things or optimally all of them, gain new users, retain all new users, and make them spend a lot of time on the platform, you're going to help Instagram win. And by helping Instagram win, obviously, they're going to help you win as well. So the people who are saying that they cannot grow, the people who are struggling to find out what's wrong with their profiles are primarily lacking in one of these three areas. They're primarily lacking with producing enough quality content on a consistent basis or in one specific niche. And they're not helping the algorithms enough for them to say, okay, out of the hundreds of creators I can promote, let me promote this specific one. So for me, again, what Adam is saying, a lot of us who have more technical knowledge have known for a long time, but he's trying to distribute it to a wider audience. And I'm really, really bullish on this. And another thing which I want people to understand is the algorithm isn't something which is set in stone. The algorithm is constantly changing, literally minute by minute. It's using machine learning in order to improve and adapt itself. There is also something which has been confirmed by Meta employees, and that is that the algorithm works in cycles. And these cycles are usually 14-day cycles and 90-day cycles. Mm -hmm. So every 14 days, the algorithm does a soft reset on its evaluation, and every 90 days, it does a harder reset on the evaluation. I've tried to search for more details from the meta employees, but of course, it's not as easy as them coming and saying this, this, and this, because right. at the end of the day, this is machine learning. It's not something that we, we can hard code and we can expect the results are going to be one-to-one -one with what we say. There's always going to be a time delay. There's always going to be lag. There's always going to be some things that we cannot predict. And I am sure that that's what's happening in most of these platforms as well, because they can say to the algorithm, let's prioritize this thing, but then it has a mind of its own. So it takes some time for the algorithm to adapt, to find what's true, to test different theories. So it's more so something which we do our best to control it. And then we put it out there, we see how it performs. And then if we need, we change it again. And if we remember a few months ago, when reels were getting pushed a lot, mm -hmm. people were giving a backlash to Adam for that. So they were saying that Instagram really lo had lost its vision. Instagram had lost its way forward. They had lost their unique standing proposition. And then Instagram said, okay, let us try fixing that. Let us try bringing balance into the game. But it did take time before that actually happened. Because again, the algorithm is constantly learning, constantly changing. And that applies for all algorithms, including the searchability one, which for me was really interesting that they brought it up again after such a long time. Because whilst most people were focused in 2020, 2021, and 2022 on Rios, because mm -hmm. they came in that period for yep. the global audience, something really interesting happened to the platform that not a lot of people saw, and that was the implementation of searchability. Basically, search engine optimization for Instagram search engine. And they actually mentioned that in the recent blog post as well. So not only the real that Adam did, but the full blog posts. And they talked a little bit about what actually impacts the search algorithm. So for me, that's also really interesting to see how it evolves with time. So I know really, really exciting news for people who are eager to learn. I believe that this will give them clarity. And then as an overall opinion about this, 
What I would say is you need to understand the algorithm, but you don't need to be a slave to it. As long as you understand the technicalities surrounding the algorithm, that's good, good enough. What you should be doing is studying the users. Because at the end of the day, if you think about it, what the algorithm is trying to do is to serve the best content to users. That's its entire goals. So if you bypass the algorithm and instead you focus your energy and time on satisfying users, there is no way in hell the algorithm won't promote you. So for me, as long as you understand the technicalities of the algorithm, so you don't do things such as putting a watermark on your reels, <laughs> you don't put your logo on your reels, you don't upload lower quality reels. So these technical aspects, as long as you understand them, you don't need to obsess over the algorithm. Instead, obsess over delivering the best type of content for your audience, and the algorithm will notice that. And if you think that the algorithm is just biased and it hates you, there is a quick experiment that you can do. Start posting on another platform. Because it's one thing if Instagram hates you and then you post on another <laughs> platform and it, it goes absolutely viral and you say, I knew it, I knew it, Instagram hates <laughs> But it's a big reality check for a lot of people when they start posting on another platform and they see that, again, the performance isn't coming. So if your content isn't working on Instagram, if your content isn't working on YouTube, if it's not working on Pinterest storages, if it's not working on TikTok, you need to start asking yourself, is it me or is it every other platform, every algorithm? So I, I feel like this, this is overall a good thing. And every time that platforms bring transparency to the table, I'm all for it. So uh, props to Adam for doing this. Yeah, I definitely like how transparent they're being because I feel like for a long time, it felt like something that they were kind of being hush-hush about. They weren't even really talking about that much. And now that people are like, oh, there are multiple algorithms and shadow banning isn't really a thing, but it's kind of a thing. And there's just like all these different layers to it. And I really, really love that they're actually talking about it. So you talk about a little bit about how you should look out for your users and looking at your users, what are some metrics that people can look at when they're trying to figure out their marketing strategy for the month yeah. ahead? So when it comes down to metrics, I'm all about data. So there are a lot of things that I measure. One of the things that I have worked upon is I come from paid advertisement. So mm -hmm. my initial experience in marketing was from paid ads. And when you spend money, oftentimes money of other people, you're way more <laughs> responsible with what you yeah. do. <laughs> so it's not like you spend two hours on a post, you post it and it pops. It's not a big deal. But when you're spending thousands of dollars on an ad campaign and that pops, it, it, it stinks. So I was forced into learning how to read data. I was forced into learning how to measure impact. And then I was forced to maximize that data in order to be able to produce results. That's not what was the case for a lot of organic social media marketing experts. So for me, I measure probably too many things, but <laughs> the most important thing that I would measure when it comes down to creating your social media marketing strategy would be the conversion rate of my profile. So that basically measures what is the ratio between the amount of people who see your profile and the amount of people who follow you. So when it comes down to Instagram, really easy. You can calculate it by taking a look at the profile visit metric. So you can open your Instagram dashboard. Then there you will see three things. You will see accounts reached, accounts engaged, and total followers. You click on accounts reached, you scroll to the bottom, and then you will see profile visits. That's your traffic. That's how many people have visited your profile 
for the last 30 days by default, you can change it in the top left section. So that's the traffic. That's the first part of the puzzle. Then you go back. Again, you will see accounts reached, accounts engaged, total followers. You click on total followers, and then you will see overall false and false. I want you to take a look at false. False is essentially how many people click the follow button. One person may have clicked the follow button, then unfold, then click the follow button again. <laughs> that's going to be counted twice. And that's what we want. We want to see how many times the follow button has been clicked for our profile. And then when we have these two data metrics, we can divide the foes by the profile visit. So let's say 100 people followed us, 100 times the follow button has been clicked in the last seven days, and then 1,000 people visited the profile in the same period of time. And then when we do the rough calculation, it's not perfect because it's organic social media marketing. We don't have all the metrics from paid, but it's a rough estimate and it will give you a percentage. In, in the case in which 100 people have followed you and 1,000 people have visited your profile, that percentage would be 10%. And your goal is to maximize that percentage. Because if you look at it from this point, you can have 100,000 people visit your profile, which is a huge amount of people. But if your conversion rate is bad, let's say 1%, you won't be able to generate the same amount of outcome as someone who is bringing in, let's say, 10,000 people, so 10 times less traffic, but his conversion rate is 20%. Yep. So you need to have a good balance between traffic and conversions. And for me, that golden metric when it comes down to conversions, of course, from different niches, from different markets, it varies. But you want to aim to have a conversion rate of at least 15%. So that would mean for every 1,000 people who visit your profile, you want 150 to fold. In my specific case, my conversion rate varies, of course, from week to week. I measure it on a seven days basis because I, I generate around 10,000 profile visits per week. And my conversion rate is around 30 to 35%. For my clients and students, I aim for a, a, at least a conversion rate of 20 to 25%. So that's one metric which I have generated and I feel is pretty accurate in terms of determining the quality of your content as well as profile and positioning. Of course, you have to keep in mind that if your traffic is also bad, the conversions <laughs> won't be good. But again, yeah. that's technicalities. That's technicalities. <laughs> and then something else which I pay attention to when it comes down to the content strategy is first and foremost, you need to understand what the format you're interested in evaluating is because different formats have different metrics. And again, Adam actually talked about this. And then in the blog article, they also dived into details. So the most important metric for Reels, which the vast majority of users focus on, is retention rate. Now, the retention rate metric on Instagram for Reels is still not out for everybody. Meta has said that they will roll it out for everybody by the end of the summer. So then we will see at least what is the average time that people have watched the Reel. And then mm -hmm. based on that, we can calculate the retention. But what I actually recommend my students and clients is use other platforms. So Instagram is notoriously bad when it comes down to insights and insights for reels in specific. So what I do is I take my content and I post it to Pinterest. I take my content, I post it to YouTube. I take my content and I post it to TikTok. All of these platforms provide really in-depth analytics. And then based on them, you can see the retention metric. And you want to aim for short-form vertical content pieces. You want to aim for a retention rate of at least 100%. And if you can get 110, 120, that's viral, but at least 100%. And again, that basically means on average for how one half people watch the video, 
Now, the normal metric will look like this. So in the beginning, it's exponential. It's more than 100%. So it's around 120, 130. And then by the end of the video, it will fall down. So your goal is to make sure that the fall down isn't like this. So yeah, it's like not a cliff. A, yeah, it's not a cliff. <laughs> it's not falling off a cliff. It's, it's smooth. And then you want to retain at least 98% to the end. So retention rate is the most important metric for short form vertical video content. For content such as carousels, diagrams, education, the metric that you're aiming for is a ratio between likes and saves. For me, the perfect ratio is one to one when you're reaching a warm audience. So let's say if you have 100 likes, you want 100 saves. That's for educational diagrams, carousels, etc. And then when you start reaching a cult audience, that ratio will reach one to two or one to three. So you get 100 likes and then you get 300 saves, which is, again, yeah. really, really interesting. And then when it comes down to other content formats, which are, let's say, photos of yourself, content which is a little bit more personal, there you're aiming for different types of interactions. You're not aiming for saves. You may be aiming for shares. In, in terms of shares, what I aim for is one to 10 in terms of ratio. So 100 likes, 10 shares at least. Okay. And then you can also measure things such as based on the amount of people who saw the post, how many actually interacted. So how many actually liked the post? That's another metric that I measure, the ratio between reach and likes. And that again should be on average one to 10 when you're reaching a warm audience. And when you start reaching a colder audience, it can go to one to 20. So let's say, 1,000 reach, and then 100 likes. A lot of metrics. I'm sure that most people will have to go back and uh, re-listen, yeah. <laughs> but this is going to be something which, as long as you understand these metrics for each different format, and as long as you understand the core metric that we discussed, conversion rate and traffic for your profile, you don't need to understand anything else. That's it. You just need to create content and optimize it based on this data point, and of course, optimize it based on users as well because data isn't everything. And if you only look at your analytics and you forget about your audience and you don't listen to them, you may end up creating content for the algorithms and not for people. And I love that you also mentioned that people shouldn't just focus on like just likes and comments. Like you should be looking at saves. You should be looking at shares. You should be looking at everything as a whole and not just specifically. Because a lot of people are like, well, I'm not getting the likes that I used to get. Well, people don't really like things anymore. Like the way that we interact and we communicate with people on social media is so different than how it used to be. Absolutely. And likes are honestly the most useless metric. Yeah. <laughs> if I have to be honest, and I'm not sure if this is uh, air rated podcast. And, um, yeah, you're all I good. Can, yeah. Okay. Okay. But likes are complete bullshit. They are. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's, Instagram actually, again, they said that publicly, they have it written in the blog, but for reels, for video content, Shares are the way to go. Shares is the most important metric. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Because when someone shares your post in stories, the views that the post gets from the stories of the person will reflect upon the views that you get on the reel. Yep. So shares are by far the most important format. For education, I argue that saves are even more important because if someone is saving the post, then they have found value in it. So for me, I've seen great success in optimizing my content for educational content for saves and then my reels and more inspirational, personal mindset for shares. Yeah, I and I like when I've worked with clients in the past, 
I've always had to explain like, stop looking at the likes. Look at these numbers. Look (laughs) at these other numbers. I promise that things are happening. You're getting people in. You're getting people clicking the link in your bio, which you want. You're getting the sales still. You're getting more sales. Stop looking at the numbers. Like, stop looking at the likes. Like, it doesn't matter. So, likes are the same as the 10,000 follower mark as they are the shiny uh, shiny object syndrome. So they are really easily measurable. You can yep. compare them to competitors as well. Whilst let's say you cannot see the saves that your competitors are getting. So it's really easy to fall into the trap of believing that if your likes are lower than your comp- competitors, you're making less of an impact, you're making less money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I can see, and for, there is a reason why Instagram and some platforms have had the ability to hide the amount of likes that the posts are getting because they're really bad for mental health of creators as well. Yeah. So all in all, fuck likes. Fuck likes <laughs> forget about them. I can guarantee I've seen creators who get 100 likes and they sell like crazy. I've seen creators where you get 10,000 likes and they don't make any money at all. So likes, they should be the bottom of the funnel. Yeah. Even again, even in the metrics that I told you, I don't look at likes specifically. I look at the correlation between likes and reach. So or likes by themselves, completely meaningless. Thank you. Finally, somebody no. says it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about marketing strategy and building a strategy for marketing. So say there's somebody coming in and they're a business owner and they've never done an actual business or a marketing strategy at all. What is something that you think is important to implement in a marketing strategy that maybe a lot of people forget or just don't think about? Yeah. So a lot of people hear what their clients say and they trust them. And that for me is the biggest issue. (laughs) And it's the same. Imagine a different situation. Imagine that you are a doctor. You're not a marketing specialist. You're a doctor. And somebody comes to you and he says, I have an insane pain in my head. Do you trust his word for it or do you actually run tests? If you trust his words and just say, okay, you have pain in the head, this is the medication you need to take, you're doing your job incorrectly. You need to always verify the perception of the client because he may say, I I come to you, my likes are decreasing, my business is failing. The reason why that's happening is because Instagram hates me. And if you say, yes, that's true, Instagram hates you, (laughs) you have been shadow banned, let's see what's happening you may be missing the fact that this person may be avoiding content that's complete garbage. So you need to always trust your judgment first. So when somebody comes to me, he says, I have this and this issue, I start asking questions. I start understanding, okay, since when has this happened? Have you done changes to your strategy? Have you been inconsistent in that period? You need to start asking qualifying questions in order to understand the situation better because in most cases, again, People who come to you, you shouldn't expect that they have the same level of expertise as you. They may think that the issue is in one area of their marketing strategy, but the issue may be completely different. So always, always first evaluate the client yourself. And then from that point onwards, I want to have a really clear KPIs and key performance indicators. And I also want to have really, really clear idea of the ideal transformation that we're aiming at. I know that a lot of marketers are afraid of putting firm KPIs and they're afraid of putting clear end results because especially with regarding social media marketing, you can never say, I want 10,000 followers in three months. You snap your fingers and it happens. It's unpredictable by nature, but you need to set the right expectations for yourself 
And these expectations, they also need to be understood by the client. I oftentimes set really ambitious expectations because if you aim for the stars, at least you won't end up with a handful of dread. So my, my mentality is always set ambitious expectations, make sure that the client understands that we most likely won't reach them, but we at least want to stretch ourselves and we want to make sure that we're putting in all the efforts. And then from, from that step forwards, I have a few key things that I do. First and foremost, I make sure that I have understood the client perfectly. So you need to be on the same page with them. They need to be on the same page with you as well. From that point onwards, I start looking at my audience. So I start looking at who exactly are we serving and where are they spending their time? And there are different approaches when it comes down to this. Some marketers love diving deep into the demographics. They want to get the level of detail for their audience that is equivalent to being their parent or spouse. For me, (laughs) that's a, a little bit too obsessive. What I prefer doing is having some basic demographics, some basic psychographic information. And then from that point onwards, I actually want to start consuming content that they consume or and consuming content that they create. Because believe it or not, you can learn a lot by reading comments that ideal audience leaves. You can learn a lot by reading Twitter threads that they participate in. So for me, I want to participate in the same communities. I want to consume the same content and I want to learn from their content, from their comments, from the information that they're putting out. How are they communicating? What is their pain points? And actually that was my go-to strategy when I began my personal profile because I didn't really know what people wanted to learn about. What I did was I actually went to the biggest profiles in my industry and I started reading their comment sections. Mm. I found the ideal people in the comment sections, people who I would love to have as my followers, and I started listening to them. What are they saying? How are they saying it? What's their tone of voice? What are their problems? And I learned so much. I got so many ideas early on when I didn't have a following of my own just by reading the comments on other people's profiles. And then the other key key thing is, and this works hand in hand with the audience, but you also want to understand competitors and you want to understand the competitive landscape. And what I do is I have different competitors for different social media platforms because it's really rarely that you find a competitor who nails one platform. It's even more difficult to find a competitor who nails all platforms. It's nearly impossible. So what I do is I find the competitor who is the best at that specific platform. And then I find, find another competitor who is the best at another platform. And I do a SWOT analysis for the different competitors for the different platforms. And lastly, after we have understood our competitors, after we have understood our audience, and after we have understood ourselves or our clients, we want to make sure that we understand the language of the specific platform that we're going to be on. I believe that every single platform has a different language or at least a different dialect. So for example, TikTok and Instagram Reels may be quite similar, but if you really pay attention, you will see that there are subtle changes between the two platforms. For example, TikTok works really based on trends, whilst Instagram nowadays, not how it started, but nowadays really works based on original audio content. Yep. So you want to understand that they both, these both platforms, they may be speaking Chinese as a language, <laughs> but the dialect of Chinese is completely different. And thus 
if you don't pay attention, you will make huge mistakes. So for me, again, understand the audience, understand the competitors, understand yourself, and then also understand the platforms that you're going to be on and you're going to be spending time on. Most of these things you can do by just being mindful and being on these platforms and benchmarking. So for me, the best thing that I have done and the best time investment that I do even now when I have more than 320,000 followers <laughs> is I spend time on the platforms, but not just mindlessly scrolling, I pay attention. I pay attention to the designs that my competitors are using, the hooks that they're using, but I know the average engagement rate of everybody in my industry. So when I see a post and I see that that post has double the average engagement that that person gets, I know, okay, this, this is something I need to pay attention to. And vice versa, when I see a post which has underperformed for my competitors, I also know that I need to pay attention to it. Then after that point is over, over, when I find a post which is interesting, either it has outperformed or underperformed, I start paying attention to what people are saying in the comment sections. How are they talking? What are they saying about this post? Why have they enjoyed the post? And then from that point onwards, you, you get a really good understanding about three things. What works on the platform? Why the audience loves it? And you also understand your competitors. Yep. So with one stone, you hit three targets. And for me, <laughs> as long as you have a really good understanding about yourself, your positioning and your goals, if you spend 30 minutes a day on this exercise and being mindful on the social media platform you want to grow, I can guarantee that in 30 days you see significant changes and you can implement them in your social media marketing strategy. That's why it's also so hard to find a good social media marketing experts because everyone has limited bandwidth and you cannot be an expert who thinks about your social media presence, your client's social media presence, and then the social media presences of 15 other clients. Yeah, You have limited bandwidth. So that limited bandwidth needs to be implemented for me. Even the clients need to understand the landscape. Because if they don't, then they may be steering the ship in the wrong direction. It's a good point. And I like the point that you say about like reading comments and going through, like, especially when you're first starting out, trying to figure out your competitors and what their clients' pain points were. Yep. Because that's something that Ben and I talk about all the time on the podcast is like, go through comments because people are going to tell you what they want from you. Absolutely. They will absolutely, it's all there. All the data is there for you already. Just, you just got to read it. You just got to find it. And even better, what I did initially, so when I didn't have comments, obviously I read the comments of others, but it's a sin. It's a sin for you to be bitching about having low engagement and to not yep. answer the engagement that you already have. So the first thing that I did, and I still do it to, the, to this day, I try to answer as many comments as possible. Initially, I answered every single comment on every single post. And keep in mind that I, I did that for the first one and a half years. And at that moment, I was receiving around 5,000 comments per week. Holy shit. <laughs> so I answered every single one of these 5,000 comments and every single DM. Because this is invaluable information. And every single time that I feel out of touch with my audience, with the platform, I go back to that intense regime of answering and being part of the community. So that's invaluable. And then after I started receiving comments in the beginning, what I did was I, I actually started asking these people for interviews. So some of them, we were just chatting on GMs and I asked them questions. What do you, do you enjoy? What didn't you enjoy? How can I make this better? And you would be surprised 
when you start paying attention how how much people would like to help you and then i also some of the people who i was really interested with i just jumped on the call with them and i asked them okay i plan on doing this and this what do you think about it if i would show you this post would you like it what what is your first impressions and uh, especially on social media platforms especially with content creators who have stronger communities it can turn into an echo chamber and everybody all the time can be telling you only good things but you need to challenge that and you need to try reaching people who won't be afraid to tell you the honest truth in your face and oftentimes again when you find a person like that you want to stick with him so again social media can be an echo chamber because of the way that it's set up and again algorithms want to promote content to people who are most likely to enjoy that content so it, it creates that echo chamber and again things may be too positive in it so you always want to be seeking constructive criticism yes. because yes. there will always be bullshit and there will always be throwers out there with them you can have a little fun and you can enjoy their reality but <laughs> when when there's something which is constructive absolutely go ahead have a discussion with that person invite him to a chat i've even paid to have chats with people so they can share with with me their their feedback i love that i think that's a great idea and something that I think nobody's really thought about. I've never, I personally haven't heard that tip before. Just go out and try to find the people that maybe don't, not hate you, but like disagree with what you're yeah. doing or like have questions or maybe, like you said, constructive criticism. To go back to marketing strategy for just a little bit, when you're presenting to a new business or a new client, how do you kind of set their expectations for moving forward with their content? Because like you said, they might have one goal in mind, but then yeah. once you're digging deeper, you have a couple different other goals for them. So when it comes down to setting expectations, I always go based on case studies. And right now I have tons of case studies, but when I started, it wasn't the case. So what I did was I actually started creating mock-ups. So I found a brand that I really loved and it resonated with me. And I knew that I would love to work with that brand, but I would also love to work with similar brands. So for example, with me, I'm a huge gamer. I really enjoy gaming. For me, it's one of the most enjoyable things that they can do. And now that I have a fiance, I actually use it as team building exercise with her. <laughs> but when it comes down to gaming, I actually started creating marketing strategies for games. And that was something which I really, really enjoyed. So I could do it effortlessly. And when someone came to me who had a similar project, I showed him that case that I showed him the content that I created. I showed him, again, for me, based on the research that I've done for that specific company, how similar posts have performed. And again, how we can expect to implement that for him as well. So show him examples. No matter the person, most of us are visual learners. So when you show us something, it makes it real. So yeah. I did a lot of mock-ups. I did a, a lot of examples. I dig through competition and I explained the data. So for me, that was one of the best things when it comes down to making sure that you set the right expectations. And then when it comes down to goal setting, there are a lot of different ways for you to set up goals. There are a lot of different formulas for setting goals. I personally am a big fan of smart goals. So with every social media strategy that I have created, I've always followed the smart goal principle in which, again, I am super specific in terms of this goal. I make sure that it's realistic based on competition, based on what has been achieved in the industry before, and they make sure that things are actionable and things can be applied. So smart goals for me are the way to go when it comes down to setting goals and then making sure that you don't overcome yourself. So I only set up to three goals, up to three main KPIs to track. 
That's a great idea. And KPIs are something that I think, obviously, it's a big tech word. It's a big thing in marketing and data world. But it's something that I think is important for a lot of businesses to kind of figure out each quarter, figure out what kind of goals you want to set so you can actually hit those targets. Because when you don't have goals put out for yourself, what are you really doing? Like you don't you don't know what you're kind of striving for. You don't have any structure to your overall strategy whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> so what are some of your do's and don'ts when it comes to marketing on social media? Yeah. So when it comes down to marketing on social media, the, the number one thing which I want people to understand is again, from an algorithmic standpoint, things are changing and things are changing fast, especially nowadays. So back in the day when MySpace was the thing, there wasn't really that much competition. There wasn't really that much else to do. There wasn't really that many other social media platforms out there. Nowadays, things are completely different. If you want to consume short form vertical content pieces, you can do that on YouTube. You can do that on Facebook. You can do that on Instagram. You can do that on Pinterest. You can do that on Lemon8. You can do that on TikTok. That's just on top of my head, six platforms that are fighting for the same attention because things haven't changed in terms of the demand that there is for content. There is not that many more people that can be added to the amount of users on social media marketing apps. That's why Zuckerberg is investing billions into connecting countries such as Africa, because based on that, he will be able to create new users for the platform. So because there is not too much more demand and because supply has only kept increasing supply of content, we need to be mindful of, again, how much time and how much effort we are spending for acquiring customers. So for me, again, it comes down to being entirely, entirely mindful in the fact that, again, demand has kept the same. And if we want to combat that, and if we want to make sure that we are getting the attention of users and we are not going overboard, we need to understand the foundations of supply and demand, not only in economical sense, but also when it comes down to social media marketing and when it comes down to creating strategies. There is so many hours in the day and there are so many users and everyone is fighting for them. I'm yep. not sure if that answered your question. If you'd no, like it me def- to elaborate. No, yeah. no, no, that's perfect. Thank you so much. And then I just have one more question because these were, this is all really great. And I think we're actually running out of time already. <laughs> but what are some things that people should start doing more on Instagram that you think will help them grow yeah. that maybe you're not seeing people do or they're not spending enough time doing? Yeah, yeah. So for me, again, it comes down to marrying the analytical with the psychological side of things. A lot of things don't know about conversions. A lot of things don't understand what traffic really comes down to. So gaining clarity on the traffic slash conversion principle is probably one of the most important things you can do for your profile because then you know why you're not growing. You either lack traffic or you lack conversions. It's one of the two. There is no way in hell that you're getting 1,000 people and then you're converting 30% of them and you're not growing. It's mathematically impossible. So as long as you gain traffic and you gain conversions, you will be good. As long as, again, you follow the previous step and you adapt because, again, it's a really competitive landscape and things are changing, not with years as it used to be, but with months, you will also be quite good. And the other last final thing in the coffin is understanding that at the end of the day, algorithms are just tools. They are tools that are programmed in order to basically become identical with users. Because the goal of the algorithm is to match the user behavior. 
Mm-hmm. The goal of the algorithm is to understand users to such an extent that users and algorithms are one thing. So if you actually bypass algorithms and you focus entirely on intimately understanding users based on everything that we've discussed in this call already, you will be always one step ahead of the ever-changing algorithm. And I actually have seen that with content. So what has happened recently on Instagram in the past one year is, first and foremost, a real started booming. So after Instagram announced them, after Instagram did their Instagram thing and they started boosting engagement for everyone that used Reels, after they made it easy to use Reels, more and more people started using Reels. So what happened was demand for Reels stayed the same while supply exponentially increased. And because of that, what happened with Reel engagement is it started dropping. The same way that mm-hmm. IGTV, when it first announced, engagement yes. was sky high, then started dropping. So what happened is more and more people started going off reels because engagement was slow, and then demand stayed the same. So when supply started reaching below the point in which demand is, engagement started going back up. And I feel like that's what we're going to be experiencing in the next few months, is that because a lot of people said, okay, reels are oversaturated and they stopped creating reels and they started focusing on carousels and single images. The second wave of reels is coming soon. So real engagement, in my opinion, especially in what we're seeing right now is real ads. So ads are starting going to start rolling out on reels and some creators already have access to this, yep. which would mean that monetization for reels is going to become better. And which means that Obviously, if Instagram can make money out of it, Instagram will make will want to make money out of it. So for me, with real ads, as long as Instagram plays their course correctly, we will see more and more users starting to create reels again. So again, this is demand to supply. And as long as you understand this basic principle, you're going to be good to go because then you, you, you can predict what's going to happen next. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking about this. Like you are obviously the master of the marketing strategy. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much for hosting it. Thank you so much for the phenomenal questions. So where can people find you if they want to find you and follow you on social? Uh, I paid the most attention to Instagram at Marketing Harry, but they can also find me on LinkedIn. My name is a little bit difficult to pronounce, but I'm sure that in the podcast description, we can add it. My name yep. is Rabrand Bankov, and that literally means a brave bank in my native language. Don't <laughs> ask me where it comes from. I love that. I yeah. do love that. <laughs> uh, so yes, Rabrand Bankov at LinkedIn or Marketing Harry uh, every, uh, everywhere else. Amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people find us. And you know what? That's exactly what we want to do. We want to share the message of social media and marketing to every single person that we can. You can also follow us on social media if you would like. We are at flick.social on Instagram and TikTok. We're also at flick.social over on YouTube where Ben is making some incredible videos. You should really check them out. He did one recently all about being a social media manager and also talking all about AI, which as you know, AI is huge in social media at the moment. So please, please, please go give it a watch. You can also find us over on Twitter at flick underscore social. And we do have a Facebook group. So please join us. We talk all about social media, marketing, trends that we're seeing recently on social media, and we will give you all that insider tips and tricks. So Go do all that. All the information will be in the show notes and I will talk to you next week. Bye.